Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, there's an assumption when you read through the Gospels. There's an assumption that is made by the writers that you and I may not necessarily pick up on. And the assumption that is there, because remember now, these writers are Jewish. Some of them are apostles. Some of them are friends of the apostles who wrote. Except for Luke. He is the writer of the Gospel of Luke. He's a Gentile. But primarily they're Jewish, and, and the assumption that they have as they're writing these Gospels is really the anticipation that every Jew had during this time period. And what they anticipated was, and they anticipated it for centuries, is that the Messiah would come and the Messiah would be born. In fact, I want you to understand the anticipation. It, it was very much said during that time, when whenever a, a woman got pregnant, the hope of the mother was, the Jewish mom was, is that she would be bearing the Messiah. Or when they would bless each other, may, may your womb be the womb that carries the Messiah. That, that was the anticipation of the Jews at that time. Everything about them longed for the coming of the Messiah, who would redeem them, who would actually free them from their oppression. That's what mainly why they were, were anticipating, especially during the time of Jesus' birth. They were wanting the Messiah to come to free them from the oppression of the Romans. And so when you read through the Gospels, it permeates all of the Gospels, so much so that even in Acts, when Jesus is ready to ascend in Acts chapter 1, the disciples look at him and say, Lord, is this when you're going to establish the kingdom? Or is this when things are going to take place? Where's that coming from? It's coming from that expectation that they have of the Messiah bringing everything about. Now, that's what the assumption is, is when you read this gospel. And when we're going to read today in chapter 2 of Matthew, it's going to be striking because that's what they live with. They live with the expectation of the Messiah. But when we come to our passage today, we're going to see that people kind of get comfortable even with the expectation. Do you know what I mean? You kind of get comfortable. You kind of, yeah, you know in your head, yes, Jesus is coming or the Messiah is coming, but you kind of learn to adjust to that. Do you know what I mean by that? You learn to adjust to that. In fact, that's how we get caught off guard, right? There's the things that we expect to happen, but we kind of get comfortable, and then when they do happen, we're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, you were. You just kind of forgot about it. And what's really reflected there is heart attitudes. In fact, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about two responses to Jesus' birth from this passage. But what we're going to see is is that there, there, there's really a heart attitude that exists even in you and I. And and what I want you to see, first of all, is that people have different responses to God. Have you noticed that? You talk to one person, and they're all excited about what God's doing in their life.
life. It's like, woo, everything they talk about. Oh, Jesus did this. And they're excited. And then you talk to another person, and they couldn't care less. In fact, you talk to another person, they might be antagonistic. But there's a third type of person that is just kind of, yeah, I know that. But they just kind of go on with life. They're indifferent. People have different responses to the things of God. That's really a heart issue. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's truly a heart issue with the whole issue of having a response to him. Here's the other one I want you to see, and that's this, that those who should know better sometimes have no clue. Those who should know better sometimes have no clue. Do you know what I mean by that? It's like you should know better. But sometimes you have no clue. In fact, here's the thing that blows my mind. You know, it's when God does answer prayers and God does bring healing in people's lives, it's not the unsaved who are surprised by that. It's the people in church who are surprised by it. Have you noticed that sometimes? Because sometimes you, you might hear requests. Oh, you know, I need you to pray for someone. They're really struggling. And everybody says, okay, we'll pray for them. But nobody has an expectation that God will do anything. Have you noticed that? We have no expectation that God will do anything. And then when God does do something, we're like, wow, where did that come from? Why did that happen? Really? You should know better, but man, you're clueless. It's God. That's what we're going to see is happening here today in our passage. Because what's going to be, we're in chapter 2 now. Jesus has already been born. Scholars believe by this point he's probably about two years old. So first of all, let me just stop for a moment. We're going to talk about the Magi, the wise men. We're going to see that this is sometime two years later. This is So don't remember your Christmas special where the birth happens and the, and the Magi show up at the same time. This is a two-year process here. And what we're going to see is, is that there are a couple of responses here. We're going to see a third response next week. Well, we're going to look at two responses today. So let's look with me. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6 of chapter 2 of Matthew. The Apostle Matthew records this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem of the land of Judah, are you not least among the rulers of Judah? And out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Here's what I want you to see, folks. We're going to look at a couple, basically divide these six verses into two sections. We're going to talk about two responses. We're going to talk about seekers. We're going to talk about people who are seeking. And then we're going to talk about, which I'm going to be sad to say is where a lot of us are at, We're going to talk about the surprised indifference. 
surprised indifference. We're going to talk about what that means here in a moment. So we're going to look at seekers, and we're going to talk about surprised indifference. First thing I want you to notice is, okay, when we talk about seekers, we're going to talk about the magi or the wise men. Some of your Bibles will say wise men. Some of your Bibles will say magi. Who are they, George? Well, they're probably Eastern astrologers from Persia. There's been some who, scholars who, who can trace them probably all the way back to the prophet Daniel. Remember, Daniel was a minister in the court of what? The Persians? And, and they would have some understanding of Jewish prophecy, probably from Daniel and what he'd left as far as his teaching. And so they see a star in the east and they recognize that this is probably has something to do with the Messiah. So they go and they travel to find this Messiah and to worship him. We don't know exactly how many there were. Tradition says three. Folks, there might have been 30. But we know there was this group that goes down to Jerusalem and they show up in Jerusalem and they're expecting that people and the Jews should be aware of what's going on. And so they ask, hey, we're here to worship the king of the Jews. Where is he? We've seen a sign. Two things I want you to see here about these guys. That kind of tells you about what it is to be a seeker. And this is really where you and I need to examine ourselves. Are you continually seeking? First thing I want you to see is this. There's an effort to find the Messiah. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's an effort to find the Messiah. Now I need you to understand something, what we're talking about here. They're probably in Persia, which is probably modern, what we would consider modern-day Iran. And they've got to travel, and trust me, they're not taking the bus, they're not taking a train, and they didn't hop on a red-eye to Jerusalem. They're going by camel. And it's not a direct route, because a direct route goes through a very big desert. You don't travel through a desert. You go by caravan up to the north, and then down south to Jerusalem. We're talking days. So this is pretty significant that they would spend, are you listening to me, days, weeks, possibly months, traveling to Jerusalem to find the Messiah. Would you say they're seeking? I mean, they're making effort here to find the reality of the Messiah in their life. You know when I read that? I get embarrassed. When I read something like this, it embarrasses me. Why are you embarrassed, George? Well, because I look at my own life and I look at the effort that I make because I know who the Messiah is. You and I know who the Messiah is, right? Who's the Messiah? Jesus, right? We make the effort... Do I make that same kind of effort in my life to seek the Messiah in my life? Because I know what he offers me. I know what he'll give me. I know that he hears me. Do I make those efforts? Only when it's convenient. See, that's why it's, that's why it's embarrassing, isn't it? Only when it's convenient. See, that's what a secret is. A secret, there's an effort to find the Messiah. Here's the second thing I want you to see. They responded out by seeking what was revealed. 
They responded by seeking out what was revealed. Look, they noticed in the distance a star. You know, these are astrologers. Hey, there's a new star. It's over. Listen to me. It's over Jerusalem somewhere. This is new. This is this. Is this possibly what it is? And so they see a revelation there. So they go one step further. So let's follow this out. Check it out. This is the Messiah star. Let's go check this out. Then they show up in Jerusalem and they start asking the king, who, by the way, isn't a Jew. He's, in, he's, from, he's an Edomite. He's from Edom, who happens to be the ruler of the Jews at that time, who happens to be probably the most, one of the most wicked men of all times, a ruthless ruler. And they show up and they say, okay, where's the king of the Jews? He thinks he's the king of the Jews. And, and they're like, we're here to worship him. We've seen his star. And so then it's like, oh, oh. Then they find out a little bit more about where this child was supposed to be born. And, and so he tells them, hey, when did you see the star? You, you go head over here. So what do they do? They take the little bit more information that they have and they go in that direction. Again, I'm embarrassed. Because how many times, how many times does God speak to me? Now, I'm not talking, hello, George. But how many times does he speak to me through the circumstances, through the situations, through my heart, where he's calling me to do something? Or he's calling me to seek him. I, I'll be honest with you. I've been a Christian for 30 years. One of the things, I'll, I'll, I'll just bear my soul with you. One of the things that I know that he has consistently called me to, that I've not, not made a great effort at, is spend time with me, George. Spend time with me. Talk to me. And I know he's doing it in your life. But see, a seeker takes that little bit of information, that, that what's revealed, and he acts on it and he moves in that direction. Are you and I seekers? You know what I'm saying? Takes a little bit and he moves in that direction. Takes a little other little bit and he keeps on moving. Why? Because he's looking for, they're looking for, what? The Messiah. So let me just stop for a moment. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I, I know the answer to this question, okay? I know that all of us here want to see God show up in a mighty way in our lives, right? We want to see him interacting in our lives daily. Now, here's the problem. The problem isn't that God didn't show up or is not showing up in our lives. The problem is, is we're not responding to what he reveals about himself to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's showing a little bit of himself to you. The question is, is before he reveals even more of himself to you in the way that he interacts in your life, he wants to see that you're going to take the little bit and that you're going to run with it and pursue him. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to pursue him. They were pursuing. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're not pursuing. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're pursuing. God wants to be pursued, folks. That's what a seeker is doing here. 
That's what a seeker is. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, the, the reality is, the trouble is, is that I wish we could say, I wish I could say, George, I'm a seeker. Hey, folks, I'm a seeker. But I can't. In fact, I actually line up with this next group. Surprised indifference. What in the world do you mean by that, George? Surprised indifference. Well, that's when something, when God really works, you're like blown away. Wow, didn't expect that. Well, because you weren't expecting anything from God. And look what it says here. Look here, I'm just going to bring out four things. Four things for you. First of all, they were bothered when God actually moves. Look at what a passage says here. I'm just blown away when I read verse 3. Remember I told you, the assumption when you read this passage in their culture is that there is an expectation of who coming, folks? The Messiah. Look with me. We're going to read verse 2. And then I want you to notice verse 3. Saying, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? That is a messianic title there. That statement there is a messianic title. Where is he who is born the king of the Jews, the Messiah? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. Now look at what it says, verse 3. This blows me away. Now I expect the first part. Okay? It's the second part that I have a hard time understanding. Look at the first part. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I expect that. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're a despot, illegitimate ruler, you would expect to be troubled. It's the second part I don't understand because I understand the assumption here. Here's what it says. And all Jerusalem with him. They should have known better. They were expecting him. I mean, listen, may your womb carry the Messiah. The women would say to each other, we're praying for him to come. Free us from the Romans. Then some dudes show up from Persia and, hey, where's where's the king of the Jews? We saw his sign. Really? Wow. I don't know if, I don't know what. Whoa, I'm troubled. That's the first thing I want you to see about surprised indifference. They're bothered when God actually moves. Have you ever been bothered? When God actually answered your prayer, you just didn't even expect it. You maybe even uttered it and didn't even expect him to answer, and he did. Surprised indifference. Here's the second thing. In fact, here's what Herod does. He calls together the scribes, chief priests and the scribes together, and he inquires of them, where was the child supposed to be born? And they said, well, of course, it's right in the Bible. I mean, probably they didn't even have to spend it. They didn't say, hey, hey, King, we need ten minutes, or we need two days to study. No, it's right immediately. In Bethlehem, everybody knows that. Here's the second thing I want you to see about the surprised indifference, is they understood the truth about the Messiah. They understood the truth. They know where you're supposed to be born. Isn't that just like us? Every one of you here would say, yes, I believe in God. God created everything. God sent his son Jesus. Jesus died for my sins. He's coming back. He answers prayers. He can heal. Every one of us would say, yes, we agree with that, right? We would affirm all of that, right? We believe all of that, but the question is this, do we really believe it? Because when he does answer prayer, or when he does do something, 
We're shocked. Oh, I didn't expect that. Didn't expect that at all. This is right here in the history of our own church. I don't know how many years it's been. It's been a few years now. I remember one of our folks in our church was, her liver was dying. They called me to go over and to pray. And everything they've tried to that point wasn't going to work anymore. And they called me to pray. And so here I am. This this tells you the kind of reality where your pastor is. I went to pray and I thought that I was just going to pray and ask, okay, God, be with him in the final days. But the person I'm praying with doesn't believe that. They're trusting God. God moves a young lady in our church to give that person their kidney. She's still alive. She's still a part of our church. I'm shocked. It's called surprised indifference. We know that God can do stuff, right? But do we really? They know that Messiah was supposed to show up. They even know where he's supposed to show up. And when some dudes show up and say, hey, we're here to see him. Where is he? We know we saw a sign. They're like, what? Really? Surprised indifference. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Third thing. They simply had a head knowledge without a heart knowledge. They simply had a head knowledge without a heart knowledge. Here's the thing. They knew the facts, but the reality was is that they didn't know the facts where it really mattered in their hearts. They knew the facts, but they didn't know it in their hearts. See, we know, we know up here cerebrally, we know with our big gray matter up here, we know with our big brains that God is able to do anything, that God can do this, that God can can do that, and, and that God is God and God is awesome. But man, the first time a problem happens, Still might have the fact up here, but in our hearts, we're, we're not even sure. Can you do this, God? Can you take care of this? We're not sure. We're not sure. See, the issue is, is they had a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. They had a head knowledge, not a heart knowledge. And then finally, here, here's the last thing I want you to see about this group. They live with no expectation of the divine. Oh, it, it's the proper thing to say. Oh, God can do anything. Oh, yeah, if he wills. And notice I'll say that. If he wills, if he wills, he'll do that. If he wills. Because that's like, you know, when you add that phrase in there, if he wills, that's kind of like the out in case God doesn't answer so that we can make sure that he's always looking good because maybe he decided not to. Do you know what I'm talking about? If it's your will, Lord. Obviously, it mustn't have been in that. Why? Because we have no expectation in our lives of God showing up. Let's be honest. And that's what was going on with these folks in Jerusalem. They had no expectation. So we see on one hand, we've got this group. They just hear a little bit. They see a little bit. They run after God. They're looking for him. They're coming from great distance. And then the folks who should know better, 
They're like, what? Are you serious? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, it's kind of here, but really? Here's, here's the reality, folks. As we try to process this, as we try to process these two folks from this well-known story, this well-known historical fact, there's really something we've got to wrestle with. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this now and really ask ourselves two questions. I'm going to ask myself this, and you ask yourself these questions, okay? How do you respond to the things of God? What? I thought we were talking about Christmas here, George. Yeah, we are. We are. How, how do you respond to the things of God in your life? Oh, I know all that. I, I understand that. I, do you know that? How do you respond to it? How do you respond to, to the reality of God in your life? Are you indifferent? Are you surprised when he does do something? Or are, does it cause you to want to seek him more, to seek and know him more? Does it cause you to do that? How do you respond? I mean, this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Because I'll be honest with you, the second group would hear this message and say, oh yeah, I'll file that away in my file. I'll answer that Bible question when it comes time to answer Bible questions. But then, when it comes time to rubber meets the road life and we need God to do something, oh, I know, I know, up here, but I'm not sure down here in my heart. How do you, how do you respond to the things of God? Here, here's the second question. This one's personal. Don't get too personal, George. Well, I'm going to. This is you asking yourself. This is me asking myself. Do you have a heart knowledge or a head knowledge? There's a big difference. And it's more than just 13 inches. Do you have a heart knowledge or a head knowledge about your God? Bottom line. Do you have a heart knowledge or a head knowledge about your God? Bottom line. And if we're honest with ourselves, let's just be honest with ourselves, because that's where we should be, is being honest. If we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to say that a lot of times, most of the time, we just operate with a what? A head knowledge. Because we have no expectation of the divine. None. And is it any wonder that we want to see God and we say that we don't see him in our lives? So what do we do about it, George? Well, here's what I want you to know. Again, it's going to be a prayer asking the Holy Spirit to do something. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to continually seek God through Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. God, in fact, you get this specific with him. God, I have a, I'm suffering. I got a head, it's not a head cold. You got a head knowledge. God, I got a head knowledge and it needs to be moved from, from just a knowledge of fact to, to knowing it in my heart. Lord, I need to know you. So, Lord, help me to seek you through Jesus. Cause that's the only way you're going to find God is through Jesus. Do you understand? 
Help me to seek you through Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.